I'm so thankful to be in this place. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, I got two amens. Amen? Amen. Making sure you're with me after this Thanksgiving. I want to welcome those who are watching online with us online. Can we welcome them one time wherever you're watching, different state, different country? I just want you all to know, again, people are joining us from different states, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, had someone watching from New York City a couple weeks ago, California. So we say welcome. It's so much bigger than just us in this room, and I'm so thankful for that. If I haven't met you yet in person, I'd love to meet you. In fact, we have One Step coming up next Sunday. One Step is your next step. So if you're saying, I want to get more plugged in, I've seen a lot of new faces lately. If you want to join our dream team, if you want to join a circle, a small group, if you want to just hear more about the vision, the culture, the values. Next Sunday after church, the staff and I would love to meet you, give you a free lunch. I think we're doing BB Bob this time. We are canceling Jimmy John's. Whoa. If you've been with us for a while, that's a big deal, okay? But I'm sick of Jimmy John's, and so are you guys. So shout out gluten-free, dairy-free, everything free. Uh, BB Bob is what we are going to serve you. We are so excited for that. Uh, just good news again, as the church is growing a little over a year from now, we're going to be moving into the Westfield YMCA. They are breaking ground next week, so we can praise the Lord for that. As, uh, as pretty soon in the coming months, I'm sure we're going to have to go back to two services and eventually need a larger space as we're just uh, under two years as a baby church. I'm so excited. Westfield's my hometown, so it's so cool to come back and to see what the Lord is doing here, partnering with other churches and other communities, knowing it's much bigger than us. And knowing that, I want to show a couple pictures. We have a Christmas outreach that we're doing at the North Glen Village. This is a trailer park just by Grand Park. And I told our congregation very clearly that we're not going to go to Grand Park unless we go to the trailer park first. Because Jesus, he would be there with the lost, the last, the least. And there is poverty in our city of Westfield. Last year, we were to give around 200 presents. Uh, this is Serena. Shout out to Serena. She might see this online. She's over there at North Glen. She's amazing. Uh, there's Rosa, and I think that was her daughter, her niece. And then uh, we gave around 200 presents thanks to your generosity. We got to bless those families. And we're going to be doing that again this year. I'd love to blow that out of the water. I'd love to see three, 400 presents. And so here's your next step. There are three different Christmas trees in the lobby. There are tags out there. Grab a tag as just a sign to say, hey, I want to sponsor this age group. There's three different age groups out there. And bring those presents next Sunday, December 3rd, and don't wrap them. There's a lot of teenagers in that community. And so uh, basketballs, gift cards, um, soccer balls, th stuff like that's great for teenagers. Don't wrap any of the presents. And when you come next week, drop it off to our host team, and we'll take care of that for you all. But we want to be where Jesus would be. Amen. We want to serve, you know, Jesus says, you came and served me, you came and clothed me, you came and visited me, and I tell you what you did to the least of these, you did unto me, and we want to be there, we want to be, somebody say, for the one. So super excited about that. Christian will share more details again as we close the service, but I would love to jump in to the word with you. Would you bow your head with me? Presence of the living God. Thank you for being here with us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Thank you, Jesus. You are Emmanuel, God with us. And we know you're with us. Where two or more are gathered in your name, there you are with us. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you're not just omnipresent everywhere at once, but you are with us in a special way. You're Emmanuel. 
closer than the air that we breathe. And I ask, Lord, over the next few moments that you would hide me behind your cross, that your word would speak boldly and clearly, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that are open and surrendered to be transformed by the presence of the living God. We thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Everyone said amen. We are closing this series called Thrive. Somebody say Thrive. And I know after that last piece of pumpkin pie, you're like, I don't know. I don't know, Andy. I'm not ready to run a 5K after that. But we are here to not just survive, but thrive in Jesus' name. And I want to look at Jonah chapter 1 with you this morning, whether you're with us online or in the room. And the scriptures will be up on the screen. Old Testament prophet Jonah the book of Jonah begins like this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because of the wickedness that has come before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. He headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying that fare, he went, far aboard, or he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. I don't know about you, but I have had a moment in my life where I was running from God, for sure, for sure. Before I got called to ministry, running from God. Before I surrendered my life to the Lord, running from God. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let's cast lots. Oh, excuse me, verse 4. The Lord sent such a great wind, verse 4, on the sea that such a violent storm arose on the ship. If you've heard the story of Jonah before, and it threatened to break up the ship. All the sailors were afraid. They each cried out to their own God, and then they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. I think it's really interesting. Verse 5 says, to his own God, lowercase g, God, that we're reaching for things. All of us are under stress and pressure in this room. And the, the more you grow mature in your walk with the Lord, the more he's going to entrust to you. And the more pressure you have to be willing to work through, the more stress that you have to be able to process through. But which God are you crying out to this morning? Which God are you stretching out to this morning? And they threw back the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below the deck where he lay down. He fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God and maybe he'll take notice of us that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for this calamity. Then they cast lots and the lot fell to Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? What people from what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I, I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew that he was running away from the Lord because he already told them. Don't you love the parentheses there? I think that's just so funny. Verse 11, then the sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do? What should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, Jonah said. Take my life. But this is my fault. It'll become calm. I know, I know it's, it's, it's my fault that this storm has come against all of us. And instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not. The sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you have pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. 
And the raging sea grew calm, and at this the men greatly feared the Lord. Then they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And last verse here, verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Here's the title of the message I know the Lord laid on my heart for this morning. We're going to go from stressed out to stretched out. Serious question for you all as we begin. How low do you let your gas tank go before you go to the gas station? Be honest. Who's like down to the very last like half mile? I'm right there with you. That's just how I live my life sometimes. Anyone else that's like, okay, when it gets halfway, I stop. I look for near gas stations on my Apple Maps. Anyone? Thank you. Bless you. We're so grateful for you. We need more of you in our, in our lives. But here's, here's the... The acronym that I felt like the Lord laid on my heart for this morning, it's this S-O-S. Maybe you feel like that this morning. You are so stressed out of your mind. Let's just be real. Maybe it's financial stress. Maybe it's, it's stress between you and your spouse. Maybe it's stress of just being overburdened by the commitments that you have, the responsibilities from your job. It's so demanding. You feel like you don't have time for your family. You're going from one event to the next, the sports game to the next, and you're just trying to survive. I've been there. I was there this week. I feel you. But the Lord wants to take, out, take us from stressed out to outstretched, and he wants to show us that he has a second chance. I want to unpack this with you. Here's number one, stressed out. I want to just share this quote. I thought it was really interesting. American Institute of Stress. Stress causes 57% of U.S. respondents to feel paralyzed. 63% of U.S. workers are ready to quit their job to avoid work-related stress. Have you been there this week? We hear this phrase that people say all the time, and it's this, too blessed to be stressed. Is that a thing? I'm not sure. If you figured that out, let me know, because I, I definitely believe my family, this church, like, like, we're blessed, but man, there are days we are stressed. And did you know that good blessings can still produce good stress? You're being stretched, you're being pulled, you're being molded and shaped. I love what Romans 8.29 says. So many people know what Romans 8.28 says, but they don't know what verse 29 says. Romans 8.28 says, we know that God works, somebody say, all things all things together for good, for those who love him are called according to his purpose. But verse 29 is the verse that we like to leave out that says, for those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, meaning that happiness is not the goal, but holiness. That the gospel in America has been distorted into a health, wealth, and happiness gospel when the Lord said, I came so they may have life and have it to the full, but holiness is actually our happiness. The goal of marriage is not your happiness, it's your holiness. Do you know that? Maybe that's why you keep going from relationship to relationship, because you didn't know in the text that Ephesians talks about that the goal is actually to become more like Christ. So in the days you don't feel like serving your spouse, on the day you don't feel like showing up for your kids, you have to remember, they are not in charge of my happiness. The Lord is first off, but they are here, and I'm called to serve them out of holiness. Too blessed to be stressed, though. Maybe you feel like this. On the outside, you are claiming to be thriving, but on the inside, you know it, you're drowning. And you feel like Jonah. 
Yeah, maybe you've never been swallowed by a whale, but you know you feel like you're being swallowed up by your finances and the work-related stress and the grind. I remember a vivid moment in my life. I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Shout out to all the Dutch in the house. And I can say that because my last name is Dutch, okay? So, Remersma or Remersma. I don't know how they say it. Apparently, we're saying it the American way, Remersma. Funny, uh, they actually misspelled my name. We were closing on a house, and they misspelled my first name. <laughs> Not my last name. Andu is how they spelled it. <laughs> A-N-D-E-W. And I said, the only do I know about is the favor of the Lord, like the do in the morning. Can I get an amen in Jesus' name? But that was hilarious. That was this week. We're stressed. But I remember a very vivid moment in Grand Rapids, I was actually dating a girl in college, and this was like the girl of my dreams at the time. I told all my buddies, like, I'm going to get a date with this girl, and you know, how many know that, that sometimes even God lets you get what you want to show you that it's not what you need? He let me get what I want, and I remember uh, pr- uh, not proposing, but asking her to be my girlfriend, and it was this big moment, and like the moment we became boyfriend, girlfriend, I lost all my peace. And you know, people will say out there, well, you can marry anyone as long as they're a Christian, as long as they come from a good family. Sometimes I think that's the devil talking. Because the Lord knew exactly who I was supposed to marry, and it wasn't her. So I'm in this relationship, and and they had this place up in Grand Rapids, right on uh, the Lake Michigan area. and, And then I went out there, and I remember they gave me this guest room I was staying in. I remember laying up there in bed just by myself, just just praying and thinking, and I had so much anxiety, so much anxiety to the point where I honestly felt depressed. I, I went to a counselor. I was dating this girl for six, seven months. I'm like, okay, if, if she's a Christian and she comes from a good family, why can this not be the one? I, I, I don't understand this. And how many of you know sometimes you can talk yourself into God's will in your mind, but it's really not God's will? that you want to convince yourself you heard from the Lord when really it was just the coffee, it was just the food that you ate, it was just the Chick-fil-A. Three times in one week, shout out, okay, you're with me. <laughs> but I remember, it's, it's such a vivid moment in my walk with the Lord because I was running from God. I was Jonah. I know exactly what it felt like. This was just before God called me to ministry. How many of you know that just before the breakthrough is the breakdown? Just before the Lord is going to take you to the next to open up a door for you, you might have a moment where you feel like you're breaking down. And you're asking, God, why am I here? I remember driving to Grand Rapids, cannot make this up. I was driving up on 31, and I saw a wrong way sign. Now, I'm not on the wrong side of the road, okay? So make sure you're with me. But it was on the other side. Like, if someone was going on that way at the highway, I remember seeing that at the corner of my eye, and it was like the Holy Spirit said, you're going the wrong way. And I was like... Oh, that's just, that's just my emotions. That's just, I don't know. And the Lord kept saying, no, 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 no. You got to get out of this relationship. This is not my will for your life. Why do I share this? Sometimes our lack of peace is not because of an attack. It's because we're living in sin. And I love you enough to tell you that. So many times in our culture. Now, now can I just be very clear with you? There is this real thing called Depression. And there are biological implications of that. There there is real anxiety. I experience it all the time. I struggle with anxiety a lot. I relate to the Apostle Paul because in one of his letters, he said that I may have less anxiety 
meaning he struggled with anxiety too. I'm not going to gloss over that, but I really do think that in our culture today, some of us are living in sin and we want to blame it on our emotions. That was me. So I'm not talking at you. I'm talking with you. Jonah 1.12, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. There is a major difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation is before Christ. That's before you're born again. That's before the blood of Jesus covers your life. Can we praise the Lord? The good news that Jesus stood in our place. Come on, we can praise the Lord for the gospel that Jesus stood in our place. We were condemned. The only thing we deserve is damnation. Do you know that? But by the grace of God. Somebody say, by the grace of God. The reason why your heart is still beating is the grace of God. The reason why you have food on your table is because of the grace of God. The reason why you have a family is because of the grace and the mercy of the Lord, that he is so patient. Man, he's been so patient with me, you all. I don't deserve to be up on this stage. All of the, the sin that I have been in in so many different parts of my life for years before I was born again, and I still am working out my salvation and the patience of the Lord. Just turn to your neighbor just tell him, he's patient. You know he's patient. But after condemnation, we realize that Romans 8, 1 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We live in now what we call conviction. Conviction is after you've given your life to the Lord and you feel the still small voice in your heart that tells you to go apologize to your spouse. Conviction. It's after that moment where you're, you're, you're tempted to fudge the numbers a little bit at, at your business, but you're like, ah, and you feel the Holy Spirit say, no, 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 no. Be holy. Be righteous, be pure. That's the voice of conviction. You with me? But I remember being at Ball State. I was a campus pastor at Ball State for four years, and there was these students that would come to me at times, and some of them would truly be depressed. I mean, some of them needed the counseling to work this out, and it was a real struggle that they had. And can I tell you, there were also some people that came to me, and they say, Andy, I'm just so depressed. And then they would go on to tell me that they had an addiction to pornography. And then they would go on to tell me that, that Taco Bell was every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Okay, just making sure you're with me, okay. But sometimes the depression comes because we're living in disobedience. That's a hard word. Can I tell you a really funny story to this? We dated for seven months, and I was like, ah, I don't know, I don't know, blah, 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 blah. She ended up breaking up with me. Can I tell you the moment I got that news, all my peace came back? All my joy came back because I was now living inside the will of God again. I don't know who I'm talking to, but maybe you're trying to figure out how a marriage works and you've moved in together and there's so much anxiety. There's so much stress. There's so much frustration and disunity because you're not doing it God's way. And you're saying, Andy, I'm just so depressed. I'm just so anxious. Maybe it's because you're living outside the will of God for your life. Maybe. Maybe I'm talking to a different group of people. I want to give you just a couple practical things right here. Word and prayer, diet, exercise, sleep, and social. These are five things the Lord has given me. Very practical if you're taking notes. Maybe you're saying, Andy, I, I really do believe I'm living in the will of God. I'm doing my best to, to really follow him and give my life to him. The Lord has shown me over the last five, six, seven years or so that if one of these five areas is off in my life, I will feel off. You could have the best spiritual life, but if you eat like garbage, you're not going to feel great. 
This isn't health, wealth, and happiness. This is, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me this morning? That we can't just take care of our spirits. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We host. Somebody say, we host. We host his spirit. And so many times over Thanksgiving, we're, we're, we're grateful for this. We're grateful for that. How about the body that is working right now? How about the ability to be healthy, to work out, to honor God with my temple? When I don't get into the gym, it's not because I... I'm like, oh, I don't care about this. Or even when I'm in there, it's not to impress others. It's so I can glorify God with my temple. Maybe it's a lack of sleep. Maybe you're sleeping, but you're not resting. And maybe there's a spiritual aspect to that. I don't know what that is. Maybe you don't feel like you have close friends and you've got these other things going for you, but the Lord is telling you, you need a community just as you need to work on your character behind closed doors. You need a community to hold you up when your arms are down. Can I tell you, I was there this week. Praise be to God to one church. Can we shout out everyone in this body? Like just the commitment, the loyalty, the, 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 the family that this is. Man, I experienced your love this week. Thank you. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for encouraging me. I could point out so many different people. I don't know which side of the pendulum you feel like you're on. But I remember being in that counselor's office. And I've been in counseling for other things that were not necessarily my fault and I had to process through. Can I tell you, I walked into counseling because it was my fault. I was running. It was like I was trying to create my own reality, but no matter how hard I tried, I could not take away the anxiety. Have you been there? Here's number two, and it's this, going from stressed out to outstretched. This week, I told you we were closing on home, and I remember the day of our closing, I get a call from our, our realtor, and they said, hey, uh, number one, they spelled your name wrong. It says, and do. Number two, fidelity just got hacked, okay? We might not close today, and my wife and I, were, we're driving down from her in-laws from Warsaw. We just had uh, Thanksgiving plans that we're getting ready for, and then I've got to, you know, take my, my newborn four months old, and then we got to leave our, our toddler there, make sure that everything's going to go great and all that, and you're just stressed, and it's good blessings, praise God, but, but, but there's still this stress, this anxiety, so funny, I got a text from uh, my, my bro, Josh Parlos, and he had no idea what was happening. And uh, he, he literally had no, no idea we were closing on our home that day, anything. I, he just, he texted me, said, hey, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to tell you everything will be okay. Everything will be okay? At first I was like, what is that supposed to mean? And then I thought about it, and I was like, oh my goodness, the Holy Spirit is telling me, even in the stress even in the chaos, even with all these outside things happening, everything will be okay in Christ. And everything got figured out. We closed. It all worked out. Here's the, the second point that I want to teach you a little bit more on is number two, to go from stressed out to outstretched. Jonah 1.3, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. And then when he went down to Joppa, he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Going back to my story in, in Grand Rapids, during this seven-month period where I was dating this girl, was not the will of the Lord. I, I went to a church I'd never visited before. It was a Baptist church in Marion. I was a student at Indiana Westland. 
Marion, that's where Indiana Westland is at. And I, I went to this Baptist missionary church, and it was one of the most memorable sermons I've ever heard in my life. You ever been in a sermon or in, in a service where you feel like the preacher is just talking to you, and you're like, am I the only one in the room? You're like, is this for somebody else? And then there's moments where you're tapping your spouse, but it's really for you, and you're just trying, okay, uh-oh, okay. But for me, man, I was running from the Lord, okay? And he preached on Jonah chapter 1. Kid you not. And I'll never forget it. It haunts me in my memory. The fear of the Lord. He kept saying this over and over and over. There will always be a boat. There will always be a boat. He said it like 300 times through the whole sermon. I was sick of it. I was like, like is, this, is this hitting anyone else? Like, I'm, I'm convicted out here because he was saying this. The devil will always provide an escape and an excuse to run from the Lord. He'll always provide a boat. Sometimes the open door was not from God. You have to have the discernment to say, was that an open door from the Lord or is that a temptation from the evil one? There will always be a boat. Turn to your neighbor, just tell them, there will always be a boat. I want you to remember this. This is what stress does. You ready? Five different things. This is what stress does. Here's, here's our options. We can blame. You ever been around someone where, where time gets tough? You see this on sports teams, and they blame someone else. They were the one that turned the ball over, but really they, they pointed it on someone else because when we're insecure about something, we want others to feel insecure. We don't want the spotlight on our sin, so we put the spotlight on someone else. I love one of my favorite rappers. He said, before you throw a stone, make sure you look in the mirror. We can blame others. We can binge. Maybe that for you is alcohol. Maybe that is binging Netflix. Maybe it's an escape to run from the stress, to run from the anxiety. Maybe it's to break under the pressure that the stress is so loud, it's so real, that you just feel like having a, a panic attack, an anxiety attack. I know my wife has struggled with those things. We, we have both struggled with anxiety. Maybe it's number four, to just bolt, to leave. When things get tough in the marriage, when things get tough with the family, when things get tough with the kids, it's just, I'm just gonna be like Jonah and just get out of here. Maybe it's to, to blow up. Maybe you take your anger out and your stress on your spouse, I don't know what that may be, but can I give you a new word this morning for stress? And it's this, to bend. Bend under the mighty hand of the Lord, and in due time, he'll lift you up. Bend under the mighty hand of God. Surrender yourself to him. I love what Isaiah chapter 40 says, that he will never grow tired or weary. Even youths grow tired and weary. They get stressed. Every single person in the Bible at some point was stressed. David says, in my distress, I called you. Jonah says, in my distress, I called you, Lord. Paul said, Lord, I, I still struggle with anxiety. I still have this thorn in my flesh. You're in good company. But bend. You see, dependence in the world's eyes is weakness, but dependence in the kingdom's eyes is strength. That the more you go to your knees with the Lord is a sign of strength. It's a sign of maturity. It's a sign of you realizing you're not your own boss. You're not your own God. It's actually wisdom to depend on the Lord for every need. Bend under the mighty hand of the Lord. Here's the decision we have. Escape or landscape. 
You will either escape the pressures of life by binging, by bolting, by breaking, or you will realize that if you're built on Jesus Christ, the solid rock, the landscape, the rock of Christ, your firm foundation, that it doesn't matter what comes against your house. It doesn't matter what stress or pressure comes against you. If you're built on him, everything will be okay. I love what David says. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. The God is my rock, whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I've been saved from my enemies. Your house is not the fortress. He is the fortress. And here's the beautiful part about the Lord is he is an escape for you. He is your fortress. He is your refuge. I love what Psalm 91 4 says, hide me under the shelter of your wings, Lord. It's your hiding place, but it's not a place to escape reality. It's a place to address reality. You with me this morning? To be sent back in more dependent and more humble and more in tune and in step with what the Spirit is saying. But he is your fortress. He is your refuge. And that's good news for someone that's been struggling with anxiety or depression. That's good news for someone that has so much stress and pressure. He is your refuge. So we're going to go from stressed out to stretched out. And here's number three. The Lord is so gracious. He offers us a second chance. Look at what Jonah says, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All the waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. The roots of the mountains, I sank down. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. Praise be to God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you to your, toward your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. Here's what I want you to understand in these last few verses. Isn't it interesting that just after the praise comes the breakthrough? Let's read this really closely, verses 8 through 10. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love. Verse 9, somebody say, but I, but I with shouts of grateful praise will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. He is choosing to praise even when he doesn't feel like it. This is a moment of zeal, not passion. This is not about emotion. This is about a choice to praise. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. We sang that in our first song because David is saying joy and gratitude and thanksgiving, it is not a personality type. It's always a decision. So, Father, we praise you, he says. And then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Maybe your breakthrough this morning is not your circumstances changing, it's your heart changing. You're asking God to change your situation, and he wants to change your perspective. Maybe it's this. Sometimes God lets us hit rock bottom to see he is the rock at the bottom. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning?
I want to tell you a story as we close here. And if you've been with us at One Church for a minute, you might have heard me share this before. And I remember my grandfather had a crazy situation and he was raising his two girls and it was dark and it was a, a stormy night and, and all this chaos is breaking out. And I think all of the girls were asleep, his wife, and this would have been my mom and her sister. And as the storm was breaking out, he was not a believer at the time. Dark, stormy night and all this craziness is happening and he hears a voice tell him to move to the other side of the house. He wasn't a believer. He, he felt like he heard this still quiet voice in his heart that said, you need to get out of the way. You need to move to the other side of the house. And just a few minutes later, as the lightning kept going and the storm kept roaring and raging, there was a tornado. And the tornado took almost about half the house off. But they happened to be in the other side of the house. And to this day, my grandpa can point back to that was one of the main moments where he wanted to give his life to the Lord. Here's the truth. Sometimes God sends a storm to save us. Sometimes the relationship doesn't work out the way you wanted it to because God is rescuing you. Sometimes the job falls apart. Sometimes the community falls apart. Sometimes your closest friends fall apart. But what if the gift was the trial? Look at what Jonah 1.17 says. Now the Lord, what? What is that word? He provided. See, the provision was his problem. He provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I remember a few weeks ago, a few months ago now, I remember being at a, a store. And it was a massage parlor. My wife was getting a massage, and I'm just watching our newborn right here. It was just after Eminora was born, and I'm sitting in the waiting room, and I'm just reading I'm reading the word, I'm, I'm, I'm in the spirit, trying to keep my focus on the right things, right? He, he stressed out, we just had a baby. And it was like the Holy Spirit just prompted my heart to pray for the receptionist. And I don't have this happen to me often. Uh, this was kind of a, a uh, once not always thing. And I felt like I had a, a, a vision while I was sitting there just reading the word and I, I felt like I saw the receptionist this close to taking her life. That she was the Jonah in this story and that she thought about taking her life and saying, just, just throw me overboard. <laughs> there's so much stress, there's so much anxiety. There's, it would be better if I just wasn't alive type of mindset. And I remember it clear as day. I felt like the Lord told me, tell her that it was my voice that told her not to take her life. And of course, I waited for my wife to come out. I didn't want to be a weirdo and go talk to her. And so I waited for my wife to come out. And I said, hey, is there anything we could pray for you for? She mentioned a couple things. And I said, I know this is crazy. It might come across weird or random, but has there ever been a time in your life where you felt so anxious and depressed? Yes, yeah. Even to the point where, where you thought about taking your own life. Yes. Tears started running down her face for the one. Here we are. Looks like a random situation, a random store, a random Tuesday night, a random moment, and God orchestrated this moment to show that he had not given up on her for the one.
in this story. Look at Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Is somebody grateful for a second chance this morning? The second chance of the Lord that says we don't deserve it. There's nothing we could do to earn it, but it's by the grace and the mercy of God. I love what Psalm 23 says. His goodness and mercy is following me. That even when I'm running away from him, he's running after me with arms wide open. He came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I give to you. Verse three, Jonah obeyed this time. Yeah, he didn't deserve it. He shouldn't even deserve this chance, but the Lord gave him a second chance. He obeyed and he went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey to the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. I don't know about you, that that is a tough call from the Lord. I see where Jonah's coming from. But the Ninevites, they believe God, a fast was proclaiming all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. They They called this fast. There was transformation that was happening. Maybe I'm talking to someone that just needs to hear this. You are following the Lord, and you're doing your best. And you may feel like you're running on E this morning, but can I encourage you with this? God has to stretch out your faith before he can stretch out your territory. Now, first, what are you saying, Andy? Before David took down Goliath, he had to take down the lion and the bear in private. Think about it this way. God had to stretch David privately before he shot him like a slingshot publicly. God has to stretch out your faith. He has to work out your salvation where you say, God, I'm going to start the circle even if two people show up for the one. God, I I, I don't even know how I'm still in this marriage. I want to get out, but the Lord is calling you to stay. He's calling you to work it out. He's calling you to humble yourself and to forgive He's stretching you out this season. He's stretching out the faith. He's working out your salvation. I'm so grateful that God does not do that in vain. He always has a purpose. He is preparing you, get this, for what he's prepared for you. You have to be willing to take down the lion and the bear in private when no one else cares, when no one else gives the high five, when no one else shows up because you're committed to the Lord to see this through. He's preparing you. Turn to your neighbor, tell him, he's preparing you for what he's prepared for you. Turn to somebody, tell him, he is preparing you in this season. He is pruning you. He is sharpening you. He is molding you. Yes, it's stressful. Yes, it's a lot. And you know that phrase that says, God will never give you more than you can handle? Somebody just said, amen. I want to rebuke that. Because God will never give you more than he can handle with his spirit working through you. He will always give you more than you can handle. Bend, bend, bend. Spend that time in the morning and bend. God, this is my time with the Lord. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to change these diapers. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to prepare my sermon. And I'm going to close on this house. But it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by the Holy Spirit that keeps working and keeps filling and keeps refreshing. He says, you're not, you might grow tired or weary, but guess who doesn't grow tired or weary? He never grows tired or weary. So bend, bend when you're praying about your marriage. Get up early and say, God, I don't know how I'm going to forgive, but I bend. I'm not going to break. I'm not going to bolt. I'm not going to blow up on them. I'm not going to blame the same person for my own sin. 
Take responsibility and bend. 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 Because he will take the little that you have and he will multiply it. He'll take the little strength. Come on, the faith as small as a mustard seed. He'll move a mountain for you. All you need is a little. All you need is a little faith. All you need is a little belief. All you need is a little grace. And he'll take you from glory to glory. But you gotta bend. You gotta go to your knees. You gotta say, Jesus, you're king. I'm not. Jesus, I depend on you. I depend on you for every single one of my needs. I bend. Some of us are under so much financial stress. We're under so much financial pressure, but you have not bended yet to begin tithing. The Lord is saying, bend. I know it doesn't make sense in the natural, but it makes sense in the spiritual. And if he already laid it out for us, bend. Let go. Bend. Trust. Yes, he called you to go to be a missionary, and you don't know what it's going to look like yet, but you've said yes in your heart. Keep bending. Keep bending. Keep praying. Keep saying, Lord, make me who you want me to be, to be ready for what you've called me to steward. Bend. I know you're waiting for that relationship. You're, you're wanting to get married, but the Lord is saying, become who you're supposed to be, to be ready for who you are supposed to meet. Bend. Are you with me this morning? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you. We love you. And I'm so grateful for Ephesians 3.20, Lord, that says, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family under earth and of heaven has derived its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he will strengthen you through your inner spirit. So together, we'll grasp how wide and how deep and how true the love is of Christ is that if even if we make our bed in the depths, even if we're sinking and drowning to the bottom of the ocean, you still rescue us. You still chase after us, God. Even when we feel like taking our own life and the anxiety and the depression, God, your love is deep. It doesn't give up on us. It never runs out. It keeps pouring. It keeps refilling. It keeps giving us second chance after second chance. So we'll grasp that love together and we'll realize that he is the God that's able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask of, dream of, or imagine. It only takes a little. So let's linger in his presence for a moment and ask the Lord as we linger, as we rest, Lord, where is the area you're calling me to bend? song comes to my mind where it says bending like a tree under the weight of his wind and mercy and I prophesy right now over people that that are saying Andy there has been so much that's come against me but I want to encourage you your roots are planted your house is not going to be shaken the storm may come the winds may roar but on eagles wings you will soar not one time has, you, has he failed you before. He 
prepares a table in the midst of the attacks. As a response in this moment, for anyone that's saying, Andy, as I lift my hands right now, I am giving this to God. The Lord is calling me to bend. Would you just lift your arms if that's you? Just both hands, just saying, Lord, I, I'm just surrendered to you. I'm going to bend. Father, I thank you right now that the Spirit who hovered over the seas now rests on us. So rest on your people, Lord. Rest upon their homes. Rest upon their families. Rest upon their marriages. Rest upon their workplace. Rest upon their car. Lord, I'm thankful that you are not confined to a temple, but you are everywhere, all around us, with us, 24-7, 365. May they experience God as Emmanuel this season. And we pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said amen and amen. The longer you linger, the stronger you'll become. Let that be solidified into your spirit as you leave today. The longer you linger in his presence, the stronger you become. The longer you linger, somebody say, the longer you linger. The longer you linger, you will become strong. Why? Because Paul says, I boast in my weakness. I boast in my anxiety. I, do, I, I, I boast in all of these crazy insecurities I have because when I am weak, I am strong. When I rest in his presence, he will give you supernatural strength that is far beyond your emotion, far beyond your personality, but you gotta linger. Rest in his presence. Rest in him. Let's worship together.